How is it that people come to faith in Jesus? It's a pretty, pretty basic question. Jesus himself said, no one comes to the Father un- no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. And that's important, that anybody who comes to faith in Jesus is because God is doing his work and drawing people to himself. But the question then is, well, how does God draw people to faith in Jesus? As you talk to people, as you think about your story and, and hear other people's story of coming to faith, usually a combination of three things. It's life circumstances, it's the Bible, and it's other people. So it's some combination of those. Uh, life circumstances, whether it's something a negative, kind of a low point in life, a time of, of seeking and feeling like life just isn't, there's something missing perhaps. Sometimes people come to faith in a positive time, a time of blessing, maybe after the birth of a child or that sort of thing. But there's some circumstance, and then there's some connection with the Bible, with God's Word. There's some Bible teaching or engagement with Scripture, and then combine that with a person or people, some relationships in life that are pointing in that direction, and then it's some kind of combination that then faith, faith comes. In your story of coming to faith, you could probably identify those same elements. I came to faith as a young child, so the key person was my mom. The key Bible teaching was on a cassette tape that I would listen to at nighttime. There was music and some guy teaching. It was weird. Uh, my life circumstance, though, was probably just getting to a point developmentally where I could comprehend what was being said, and, and it really brought me to faith. Later in life, uh, recommitting my life to faith in Jesus Christ and recommitting my faith, it was a very negative circumstance, being, um, getting in trouble, making some big mistakes. It was people in my life praying for me, and one person in particularly who walked with me through that season and discipled me using the Bible, and that I really, my faith came alive in a, in a whole new way. And you think about your faith journey, you might be able to name those same people and circumstances in God's word. Maybe you're here today, you're still exploring faith. I know there's many people who gather who just, just kind of searching, and that's great that you're here. You know, there's engagement with God's word as we preach, and um, you're connected with someone who perhaps invited you here, uh, and God is at work through those things. This whole sermon series we're calling The Great Opportunity, really what we're doing is we're considering how God might be inviting me to be a part of somebody else's faith journey. That's God's invitation to you, to see maybe a new follower of Jesus, somebody new to faith, through you and your life and your ministry. But inevitably, whenever we talk about this, people will start to say, well, that's that's not me. That's not how I do faith. You know, faith is my thing. I'm not really one of those Christians who's part of other people's journey, or I feel ill-equipped, or I feel inadequate, or I'm not good enough. My hope, as we explore this, is to just sort of demystify this whole idea, to give some really practical suggestions of what this might look like, and um, see if we, how we might just be living this out together as a community. And we remember, this is not just an add-on for certain people of faith. But this is really God's design. Remember, Jesus said, just as the Father has sent me into this world, so I'm sending you. So just as he was sent to do the the kingdom work of God, we are now sent into our world to continue God's kingdom work. And as we embrace that opportunity, the great opportunity to be part of that, it's going to bless our world. 
And it's, it's a blessing to us because we're living life the way God designed it. This is God's intent for us. And so when Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the fullest, this is what it looks like. And you start to experience the satisfaction and the, uh, the fullness and the fruitfulness of living this way of life. So today, as we consider this, we're, we're going to talk about what we call a person of peace and how God can use a person of peace uh, as a process of, of his way of bringing people to faith. So three things. What is a person of peace? Secondly, some examples of person of peace. And lastly, so what? I mean, who cares? It's an interesting concept, but how, how do we take it from here as we understand this? So um, what is a person of peace? Some examples, and then so what? Uh, let's pray. Dear Jesus, you are good, and we thank you for bringing us here. Um, you are here. We acknowledge that. And as we have sung to you, as we have prayed to you, we pray that as imperfect as this thing that we're doing here is, we pray that it would be acceptable and pleasing to you. So, Lord, we now ask that you would be our teacher. We submit ourselves to you, and we pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. So what is a person of peace? So this, the concept of person of peace, the way I'm going to use it today, the term originates from one, really one verse in the Bible, in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus is, he's got a big group of disciples, and he's sending them to the town, he's sending them ahead of him to the towns that he's going to minister in. And they're going to these towns, and he said, just go into these towns and find a person of peace, and then stay with that person. So uh, take a look. This is Luke chapter 10, verse 4. Jesus said, Don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay at that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. So he says, what's going to happen is you're going to go to a place and there's going to be a connection of peace between you and a person. And once you find that, you'll know it. And that's where you're going to stay. And you're going to receive what you need there. And that's going to become the, the, the starting point of the ministry in that new town. So there's hospitality and there's a connection. So the term person of peace, we're taking it from that verse, but beyond that concept uh, beyond that verse, the concept we see all over the Bible, and we also see it in today's world, particularly uh, missionaries and church planters use this term, person of peace, quite a bit. And the idea is that uh, you go into a new place and you make a special connection with somebody who just opens a door of ministry in, in, a, in a new way, and, and sometimes just a whole powerful way because of that person and their connections. So, you know, the notion of a person of peace, the way we're talking about it, is you know, through that person's relationships, a whole family could uh, come to know the good news of Jesus, or a whole village could be impacted, or today a whole workplace, or a whole you know, college campus. Um, the characteristics of this person is that they're open to you, or they're open to hearing this message, they provide some kind of opportunity or hospitality, and then there's connections to other people through it. So for example, uh, there was a group of students in Europe I was reading about this week, and they were trying to start a new ministry on a college campus. And 
somebody was training them and said, go to this campus and try to find a person of peace who's going to open doors for you and connect you and, and it, things will really take off. And the students weren't sure about this concept, but they, they went to the dining hall and the, they were looking for, you know, who in this room would be a person of peace? And they saw uh, some students eating and they looked like they were connected and so there was empty seats next to them. So the students said, that, that must be our people of peace. So they go over into the empty seats, they sit down, and the other students were, who were sitting there promptly got up and left. They said, well, we, we must have got this totally wrong. We don't understand this. And this older lady came and sat with them, and they got kind of chatting with her, and they, she was asking about them. They said, actually, we're a group of Christians. We want to start kind of a new Christian ministry here and share the good news of Jesus on this campus. She said, well, whatever you need, you know, I'll, I'll get it for you. If you need space, if you need connections, whatever you need. It was the president of the college who came and sat down with them. And she became their person of peace. Now, that was a person of influence. It doesn't have to be a person of influence. Same campus ministry, different campus. Uh, students were trying to start a new work. Their person of peace was the security guard at the main gate of the campus. Not con- typically considered somebody of influence, but he knew everybody because everybody had to go through the main gate and show identification to get onto this campus. And he knew everybody by name. And he was able to connect uh, a group of, of students together. And they had a, quickly had a fruitful ministry. That's kind of the idea, where you've got a person who's just open and making connections and things really kind of take off. So um, what are some examples of this? So the woman at the well, we looked at her story last week. Uh, for those of you who weren't here, I commend that message to you. You can go on the website and find the message. But Jesus is, uh, he's in Samaria. He meets this Samaritan woman. Typically, the Jews and the Samaritans would not even interact at all. She has an encounter with Jesus. He reveals himself to be the Messiah. And, and he reveals things about her life that, that he wouldn't have known, or he shouldn't have known, except that he was some sort of prophet. Reveals himself to be the Messiah. She's totally blown away. And this is what happens. She ends up, look at verse 28. It says, then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. I mean, look at her, just her enthusiasm and her haste. I mean, she's out there collecting water. She leaves her water jar, and she needs to go back to town. And you can just see how fired up she is. But where's her shame? I mean, this is a woman who seems that the town people were avoiding her, or she was avoiding them, collecting water in the middle of the day. She's got, she's got a, probably a pretty bad reputation based on what Jesus revealed about her, and yet there's no shame. She just wants to go and tell everybody what she's found. And this invitation, come and see, come and see this person. We don't even know if she has faith yet. You know, could this be the Messiah? But she's got to let people know. She might be the most unlikely person in this town to be the one to introduce everybody to Jesus. And yet that's who God uses. So I want you to do this. Don't say or point or anything. Just look down your pew to the right, or to the right, to the left. Just look who's sitting with you and decide in your mind who is the most unlikely person in your pew to bring Jesus into their world this week. Just decide. Don't point. Just decide. You got it? Now, you might say, it's me. I'm the most unlikely person to leave this place and to bring the message of Jesus to this world. 
Um, if that's you, be, be careful. Because God loves to use the most unlikely person to be an agent of his good news. And so um, that could be you this week, or that person you're thinking of. So anyway, this woman, very unlikely, she goes to the town to get all the people. you got to meet this guy. Then Jesus has this little interlude with his disciples. It's a little tangential to what we're talking about, but it's important to the text here. So hang with me for a sec. Look at verse 31. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is on a roll here. He's great. He's talking to the woman about water. And he said, I've got this living water that brings eternal life. She's confused. The disciples are like, hey, Jesus, eat some of the food we got. I've got food you know nothing about. Like, he's just, he's so focused on the, the, the work of God's kingdom. And you'll notice he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. And remember on Easter, we looked at that when Jesus said, it is finished. He accomplished the work on the cross. On the cross, Jesus was taking the penalty for all the sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. He's taking God's wrath and punishment, and he's bringing us forgiveness and new life. And Jesus finished that work and went all the way and gave his life. And he said, doing that is like good food. That's what nourishes me. That's what sustains me. So when Jesus said, now you go and you're going to do kingdom work, as we live this way of life, it is going to be satisfying and nourishing like the best of food. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When we live this way of life, it is not a waste of time. There is a goodness and a satisfaction that comes from this. And Jesus said, look, as you live this way of life in verses 35 through like 38, I'm not going to read that, but he said it's, it's like sowing and reaping. You know, one person plants a seed, another person harvests it. You're about to see this whole Samaritan village is going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the disciples didn't do any work. They were out getting food when all this was going down. And all the historic work that the Samaritans, as we know them in Jesus' day, all of the historic events the work of the prophets and the law and the prophets, everything in the Old Testament to bring this about. The disciples didn't plant any of that work, but they get to see the harvest. And he said, that's what this kind of way of life is like. You might be somebody who just plants one seed. You'll never see it blossom. Or you might be able to see somebody come to faith, and God has done so many things in that person's life all along the way. You just get to, you just gotta get to step into this process. Uh, I was reading an article this week about a man who had these really uh, rare rhododendron, rhododendron garden, these bushes, and this rare variety. And people would go, and they would um, look at them and take photos of these, these rhododendrons. And he had some little seedlings that he was nurturing. And he knew that it would take 25 years for these little seedlings to become these you know, grand plants that people love to photograph and people come and, and write about. But he was 75 years old. So he knew that it was very unlikely in the 25 years it would take to grow these things that he would get to enjoy them. But he told the, the, the guy who was interviewing him, he said, I may not get to enjoy 
these plants, but somebody will. He's nurturing it for his day and another generation. It'll come to its fullness. And Jesus said, that's what this is like. It's not about you. It's not about you going out and trying to convert people. It's just about you maybe planting one seed. One thing you do or say, you know, we believe that God is already at work in this world. So when we go into the world, we don't need to manipulate people. We don't need to contrive some ministry. We, our, our job is just to discern where God is already at work and just participate with him where he already is. And then, back to this notion of a person of peace. The person of peace is like you're, you're building this little fire and they come and just pour gas and it just goes big. Because God is using these little things and sometimes they grow huge and this is how God works. We see these examples all over scripture of people of peace. If you think about Matthew, the disciple, Jesus is traveling. He sees Matthew in his little tax collector booth. He says, Matthew, come follow me. Matthew leaves his job, and he's following Jesus. The next scene in Scripture, we have Matthew with all of his tax collector buddies and all these people at a dinner with Jesus. He was the person of peace who opened his network to meet Jesus. And there was, just a, there was a whole bunch of people there. There's a woman in the New Testament named Lydia, Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at her story later in this series, but she heard that, again, the apostles are traveling around. She hears the message of Jesus. She puts her faith in Jesus. She invites everybody to her house. Her family members are baptized. She's baptized. She then invites other people. to Her house becomes a place of worship. She's the person of peace, bringing hospitality and welcome into her home. There was a demon-possessed man, Luke chapter 8. He's the one, if you're familiar with the story, where Jesus casts out the demon, and they go into the pigs, and the pigs run into the ocean. Um, so he was healed of this terrible condition. And he said, Jesus, I'm going to come and follow you. And Jesus said, no. Go back to your village. Stay there and tell your story. You're going to be, essentially, the person of peace who brings the good news and the, the, about the power of God and the presence of God to your people. You're going to be the connection. Again, you, we see it over and over again where one person unlocks and just opens the door for so much beautiful ministry, God's work in these places. Uh, personally, I've seen this in a number of areas. In our church, we have people of peace in this church. I'm not going to name you or call you out, but people who hear the message, they, whether they even have come to faith or not, they just start inviting everybody. They're inviting people off the street. Hey, go into that building. There's good things happening there, and they're just inviters. Or they'll fill up a whole alpha course. Oh, yeah, I invited half the people here, you know, just because they just want other people to, to hear and to see. Um, people who get into spiritual conversations all the time. Remember last week we talked about spiritual conversations and what they look like or sound like. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I can't not have spiritual conversations. They just happen every day. Um, and it drives my kids nuts, but I, conversations with everybody. We, we see that. In my chaplaincy work, I, there's people of, there's a person of peace, for sure, in my chaplaincy work. When I do my work as a chaplain, my role is not to convert everybody there to faith in Jesus. I provide for um, emotional support and spiritual support. But if 
But if I get asked about my faith, I can speak. And if people want to connect with the church or want to explore faith, then the door's wide open. And I have people who are connecting me to others who are opening, opening doors like crazy. We've seen people in this town, even town uh, officials, who have connected us with the life of the town. We've been here for 176 years, and new doors are still opening up for us for ministry and opportunities. Uh, it's, it's amazing. People of peace. Local business owners, one in particular, who's just helped make... This person doesn't even go to church here and just invites everybody to, to be part of what's going on here. A person of peace who's just opened his circle of, of um, his network to God's work. Again, these are people who show some kind of openness. It, if it's even not a person of faith, it's a person who's okay with your faith and okay to see other people connected to it. And it's just so neat to see how God uses these kind of people. So this brings me to my last point. Who cares? So what? That's an interesting concept. God uses people and they, you know, they just become these uh, people who just connect and open doors and do this kind of thing. Well, here's why we care. The more of us that are out there living this way of life, the more of us that embrace this great opportunity, God's invitation to just be part of other people's spiritual journey, we're going to see more and more people of peace like this, where we're just doing our little part, and then boom, it just seems to explode in a good way. Again, God gives us this this opportunity. It's the work of his spirit. We are discerning where God is at work, and then we find ourselves connected to people in these spiritual conversations, and then who knows? Like how many, like this woman at the well, woman who's just broken with a bad reputation, made tons of mistakes in her life, outcast from her community. How many people like that are in our world? And it, it just takes one person to know the grace of God through Jesus. And it, everything changes for that whole village in this case. So we're going to keep an eye out because we're meeting a lot of new people. We're meeting a lot of new people here on Sundays, out as we go from here. And remember, it's not about us, but we're caught up in this great work of God's kingdom. And he's called us to partner with him. And it's truly a great opportunity. So we're going to embrace that opportunity. We're going to keep our eye out for people of peace like this. So I'm going to pray for you to close. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pray for you before I pray it. I'm going to pray for attentiveness. I'm going to pray that God would open your eyes this week to see around you who these people might be and how God might be calling you to interact with them. Let us pray. Father, you do put good opportunities before us all the time. And Father, as we go from this place, we know your love. We've, we've experienced it. Um, we trust you, and we know that you're at work in this world. So we just ask you to give us eyes to see what you're doing. Give us hearts to respond faithfully to where you lead us, Lord. And we, we pray that as we do this, we would know um, that this is good food, that there is satisfaction that we get when we are connected to you in faith and part of what you're doing, Lord. So we just praise you for every opportunity you give us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.